So, welcome to Wazi, another episode. Um, this is actually our first recording of the year, like I was saying to uh, my guest today. So, my guest is called Monica, but I'll let her introduce herself. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daisy, as Daisy has said, uh, my name is Monica. I um, I always find this like introducing yourself question so interesting because yeah. it's like, yikes, <laughs> who am I really? But um, I firstly... And I think what would be most relevant is I run this platform called Tangaza Magazine. Um, it is predominantly an online publication that is like dedicated to documenting the music and culture of East African New Wave creatives. Um, so I think anyone who's listening, that's probably the first first point that you may have heard of it. Um, but then I also consider myself an artist helper, so I have been doing that um, recently. Um, just consulting with artists in terms of helping them figure out some um, career stuff in terms of, you know, do you need an EPK for this reason? You should be sending out press releases. This is where you should put be pushing your music. Just some music business 101 consulting. Mm. Um, yeah, in a nutshell. It's good you said, you know, you said like three things and I'm sure there's someone that was like, what is an EPK? Because I remember <laughs> the first time someone actually... Um, messaged me mm. uh it w- i was applying for something and they were like oh you can just send your epk and i was like okay. what's that so they obviously said it to me like that because i'm like i mean she's an industry profesh right and i was like i have no clue what it is and i just googled it and i was like oh okay i know what an epk is yeah. i didn't know it was that which yeah. is an electronic uh press kit yeah yeah what it stands for but yeah you can talk to monica and then she'll sort you out too yeah you know me up, all this job <laughs> um yeah so i hit up monica because someone actually shout in your cabby. I mean, I think I, I've mentioned your cabby here enough times. Um, yeah, she. I was having a conversation with her, and she was like, "You need to meet Monica." Mm. And then Leanne, who's also been on this podcast, had also been like, "Oh, here's Monica." So <laughs> it was just Love about that. to happen eventually. Um, and because we did an Usani Wasana series, I was like, "This would be great to bring someone who's also." Um, I mean, it's just because the series was over, but ideally, same content. Mm-hmm. Um, some from the industry, but also in a different lens, because uh, you can tell us about Tangaza, actually, what they do, and then you'll understand what I mean. Um, and it's a bit of music business, and what is that? Like, you know, for some people who are like, okay, I know what it is, but not entirely. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'll start off with a little bit of history about Tangaza mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. So... I started Tangaza in the second semester of my sophomore year. That was March of 2018. Mm -hmm. So second year of uni. And I was doing my undergrad in the States. And this was around about the time when you had like artists like Mr. Easy, Davido, Boy, kind of crossing over into the global music scene. But as we've always known and experienced, talk about African music has always been more so centered on like Nigeria, Ghana, and then, you know, South Africa. Mm. For obvious reasons, because, you know, for West Africans, the size of the West African diaspora is large out Mm. there. Um, South Africa, they just have a better industry infrastructure. But I was just like, damn, there's a lot of cool music that is being made by East African artists. Mm. (laughs) Um, You know, and just trying to get my professors and my colleagues hip to it. Um, and why I sort of chose to focus on more so like new wave or what you'd call alternative or contemporary artists is because I kind of just always felt like that scene wasn't really being given a space Hmm. um, in the region not just in Kenya but just like across 
the different countries i feel like and also this is something i came to learn through interviewing artists is like there's just a lot of gatekeeping as towards what music artists and particularly african artists should make mm. this idea that it should be like afro leaning or sound like it needs to be a fusion of like traditional and modern day you know just like these boxes that artists were being put in and if you think of like kids like us who grew up consuming a lot of you know grew up on soundcloud so we're exposed mm. to all these different types of genres whose heroes are not only african artists but like you know contemporary artists from different parts of the world obviously the music that they're going to be making if you think of collectives like ye wave to people like blinky to mudoni to expresso to karun to xenia you know it's it's going to be reflective of their inspirations and that doesn't mean that they're running away from their african heritage or are trying <laughs> to be western yeah. it's just the music that they want to make so i was not understanding why artists are being gatekept like it's not upon any of us to tell anyone ca- what kind of music they should be making mm. so that was the inspiration behind creating the platform and i really just started with interviewing artists that i thought were cool just like hitting people up for interviews and then um in 2019 i was lucky to have gotten a grant from school and that enabled me to like kind of bring some more contributing writers on and put out a print issue because again mm. i had never seen a magazine or anything dedicated to just music here which to me again was crazy because I'm like <laughs> we have so many incredible musicians yeah. and stuff and this was before I understood like the nuances of the industry and everything I was just like wanted to put something out and then yeah since then like last year we did more cool stuff we put out a compilation album that brought together like a bunch of new wave east african artists from like the continent and the diaspora it's called full full condition volume 1 we put out another issue so yeah we've just been trying to do more coverage in that space expand a bit more to like photography collectives and mm. um outside of just the music space because obviously there's a lot of ancillary creative um people creative works that feed into the music industry it's all it all fits in together yeah um but yes so in a nutshell that's the history <laughs> of, of tangaza tangaza yeah. it's so interesting cuz my intro of, was actually on instagram um of tangaza and i think it was still fairly new so but it was there was enough on there for me to be like oh this is really interesting like um a publication which is what it was it, it is anyway But at the time, I don't know, do you have a website when you said the Instagram? Um, yes. You did. Okay. It was I think yeah, it was concurrent. The uh, Instagram, the socials started maybe a week before the website, but the website has always been the main the main uh, okay. focal point. Yeah. So for me I interacted with the Instagram way before like f- I think for much longer before I got into the um to the website. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, I was pretty intrigued because I discovered a lot of new people through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always curious. Again, I, I've met you now. But like, I was always curious to know hey, who started, you know, who started this and like, what was the motivation behind yeah. it? Um, but hearing what you're saying, I'm like, yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty dope space and really necessary. Yeah. And you've said a lot of important things there. Like, um, you know how artists dictating what artists create. And right. You know, that being, especially what you've said about like African music and the connotation of it. Like, if you don't do, um, if you don't have some African fusion in it, it's like you're not African mm-hmm. enough. Because what I found interesting working on radio is... Um, Well, I have a, the show so fresh so clean that I was telling you about mm. is was actually for me to play people music that does not necessarily sound 
what quote unquote African music sounds right. like. Um and you see for our Western audience already they're thinking bongos, you know, I mean mm-hmm. sorry, congos and you know, big drums, whatever they visualize mm-hmm. when they think, Oh my god, African music. So <laughs> um yeah, and I just play R and B stuff. I'm like, yeah, there's R and B like R and B in Africa, you know. Right. So and it I'd get people calling in, um in studio and they'd be like oh who's that artist you know you played whatever and at least for our radio they also you can play stuff on online right so the playlists are always there right so they, there's guys who even now request music like we're kind of an artist and i just love it so much because i'm like okay cool, 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 cool. yeah at exactly. least there's something there's something happening here but also what i found interesting about african artists now in australia is them trying to make music with African fusion mm-hmm. and now they're trying to create space for that there mm-hmm. because it's not that it's not the norm to mm-hmm. have like you know to be rapping on top of like an Afro Afro jazzy kind mm-hmm. of beat or mm-hmm. like something like that so it's very it's kind of like it's not vice versa because it's not I mean um mutually exclusive mm-hmm. like that but it's different where there you're being quote unquote too African mm-hmm. <laughs> and then here you're being told you I mean you're not African enough. You're trying you're trying to be too Western. Yeah. Um but it, it's never like that, really. It's never like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I just think it's it's interesting and it's 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 something I feel that is has definitely been dictated by unfortunately as everything almost always is, but this like <laughs> Western perception of what Africa is supposed to be. And like I mean really the um, post-colonized world like what we're supposed to be what we're supposed to sound like Mm. you have like even like the world music um category at the grammys Mm. which they tried to change recently i don't even know that i forget the name they changed it to but it's still whack it was actually pretty whack because i remember (laughs) i mean everyone was waiting to see like okay they said they'll change in fact let me just google yes please do (laughs) but i'm just like this is it's it's whack and and, you know you have situations where you have like i think it was angelique joe and burner boy are now Mm. being forced into this one category and it's like no because both of them make such different individual type of music yeah. and devo- deserve to be in different, you know, categories. I'd go as far as to say they should be putting Burner Boy's music in like the the pop. I mean, I mean, I'm also a person who is a bit anti-genre when it comes to like music. Same. But um, <laughs> I'm like, for someone like Burner Boy, at least put him like if you have to like the pop music genre because that stands for popular, popular music. music. Yeah. You know, like why you putting him in this genre like what does world music even mean yeah you know yeah yeah and so i just think it's unfortunate because i remember being in like having conversations um with like some of our professors or sometimes we'd have the opportunity to network with like industry people through my program mm. and they're like oh like you know we love african music like it's so like tribal sounding and this that and the other and i'm just like what do you mm. <laughs> or you know and I'd, I'd like the same experience that you had when i'd play like African music or Kenyan artists who are like making R&B or whatever they're like that's not African music mm. it doesn't it doesn't sound like this I'm like but what does that even what mean? does that mean what does yeah. that even mean you know just interrogating that so I don't know man I'm just hoping that you know with how we have like artists like Amare and Thames and like Elaine from SA who are now being given space to just be musicians mm. and the whole, their whole identity of them being African is and kind of like 
being held over them in terms of what they should be creating. Yeah. I'm kind of like hopeful that we're moving towards a direction where African artists are just going to be looked at the same as any artist from anywhere in the world. Yeah, just an, an artist, fo- it's, it's just, just an artist. African. Exactly. <laughs> just an artist be afforded the same opportunities, the mm-hmm. same type of recognition. Um but yeah, the world is whack sometimes. Yeah. So I actually found the <laughs> found the category. It's mm-hmm. now best global music album. See? And it's like, what does that even mean? Global. Global is everyone. Like, everyone. (laughs) You might as well be putting Justin Bieber and, like, I don't know, Dua Lipa in that global because it's the whole world. It's ridiculous, is what it is. Oh, actually, here are the nominees for... Oh, no, it's 2020. Okay, which makes sense. Oh, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so it's still pretty whack. Uh, Yeah, very much. But it's... um, What I was even going to talk to you about Mm. now is, like when you were saying you don't necessarily like genres, is what I think about also these days. Um, um, I was listening to this new EP by Kato Change, Suraj, and Winnie. I love it's that EP, so Sazile. Sazile. It's, so it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And I was... I mean, I've known of these artists individually. So, and they had done a song before together, or they had released... Uh, yeah, they had released a song mm. together, and I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. But when I listened to the EP, I was just like, Wow. These are three artists who do completely mm-hmm. different genres. Um, and where the genre thing actually came in for me is when I was like, okay, Suraj is more an electronic um, artist. Winyo is a banger musician. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Katuchange is Katuchange. I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to... You know, I couldn't place him because I'm like, yeah, he's a really mad good guitarist. It's like he plays jazz and mm-hmm. blues, but also he's done so much more than that. Mm-hmm. So when I was trying to describe the genre to someone, I was like, I honestly cannot place it mm-hmm. because he does a lot. Mm-hmm. But even given that particular EP, how collaboration is great because these are people who sound very different individually, right. but they found such a good balance. I was in awe. I was like, right. this is what artistry is about. Mm-hmm. Is you find, you're both, you're all strong at whatever you do, but we find a middle ground and it just sounds great. Yeah. It's, Please go check out that EP. It's yes, oh whoever's it's like listening, six songs please. Or? Yes, it's yes. short and sweet. It's so good. It's good vibes. But for sure, and I agree on that. Like before um, we started recording, how we were just talking about the importance of um, collaborating mm. for artists and how, you know, when you f- align with people who just make sense with you how it can be such an amazing opportunity to open yourself to other audiences to even like learn new stuff and um that's an area which i think is growing out here but which i would love to see more like i would love to see more especially like cross genre collaborations mm. again i hate the yeah yes, genre <laughs> but uh, like in this in this for, for example if you just look at nairobi the different pockets of different like sounds that are emo- emerging there's so many you know you have like the shrap artists who've been here for a while we have the r&b artists you mm. have like people like suraj you have like you know guys who are doing like more of the gang gang and stuff like there's so many cool sounds mm. that i'm like damn i wish i wish we could just see a bit more like of course where it makes sense yeah but more cross scene um collaborations mm. and to see what that could even do in terms of opening opportunities for um different people i think an artist like uh, like i think i i dig what like octopizo mm. 
does in terms of like collaboration. Collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, because his latest album had like people like um Susanna Uyo and like Idi Aziz on there, which is now taking like completely dope, different like Afrofusion sounds. But he's also done a song with Barack Jacuzzi. He's done a song with um um that Waikarido song. I don't remember who the uh, other I know, features, I know but the it's like talking about yeah. yeah, but it's like <laughs> younger like artists and stuff. Mm. So I'm like, that's really sick. Yeah, you know. And um, I, Octopizo, actually, I remember when he was starting out, he did a lot of collabos. I mean, he di- uh, he did Blinky produced, I think, two of his yeah, jams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done album. stuff with Blinky as yeah. well. So it's like stuff like that, you mm. know, that I'm just like excited to see more of. So, yeah, same. And I think, um, again, like we were talking before, mm. sometimes it's just, um, first of all, sometimes just shoot your shot, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you listen to Kili Hippie's uh, episode when he was here, he was saying for his album, his demo, because I was asking him, bro, how do you find all these artists? Because it's a lot of artists. I mean, he's a producer with dope beats. He just sent out his mm-hmm. like, I, and guys who like the beat responded. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I like this beat. I'll jump on it. And then for one particular song, he was saying, what the person he sent the beat to was recording and then those two other guys in the studio were like yo this is Let dope hop on. so they hopped on yeah. it so sometimes really just shoot your shot um because it could open up so many doors but it could just make you think better um because i think about that album i'm like it's just crazy because the vibes from the beginning to the end is just it's it's different but it's just so nice it's like wow i'm hearing someone in shang i'm hearing someone in like kiswahili mm-hmm. and then there's english there's french i'm like Woof. Okay, and all these artists are in Nairobi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even something I've noticed with Tangaza, which I really liked, is what you were saying also. It's not just um, about music. It's things that are also similar to music, like centered around it. Like mm-hmm. I've read some of the articles there. Um, I think what I read recently was even, um, I'm forgetting their name, but this installation artist, um, I'm seeing them, <laughs> but I'm forgetting the name. Oh my God. Um, Okay, I'm going to describe how they look like. They have two piercings on their nose. Okay. Um, they're Cuban. Um, and they move from um, Miami. Yeah, Lo, Lo, uh, Flower, and her Instagram handle is Flying Springs, but Lo, she runs like Sense of Space. Correct. Yes. Correct. So it was really cool for me. Um, I didn't even know what they do. I've seen them around Instagram, but I thought they were like, um, she, she's a stylist. So when I read that, I was like, oh, I've been looking for other installation mm. artists in Nairobi because it's something I used to do in Melbourne. Mm. Um, and it was really cool, but I just never used to see it here. Mm-hmm. Or it was not really a thing. Mm-hmm. And I saw the there was a gig they had done. Was it at? Nairobi R&B. Correct. Yeah. And that install of the bedroom. Yeah. Like, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the stuff I was trying to explain to people. I'm like, you don't just, you, it's okay, you can have a gig at a venue, but you know, you can recreate the space, like, because um, it's stuff I had tried, and I'm like, this is so cool. I'd like to also mm. introduce people to. Mm. Um, so even spaces like Tangaza, now what you're doing is you're creating an opportunity for people like me to find other artists who are thinking similar. Well, I'm glad. Which is cool. That's always like, been the goal. We, we're so trying. Keep, keep, keep doing that stuff. <laughs> but anyway, my point was even headed to us like, um, what sort of industries like as Tangaza, like do you get people, of course you might reach out to people. Do people reach out to you with like, I don't know, opportunities like you can share with artists or... Is it more so you sourcing um, sourcing people, like uh, going towards artists as opposed to the other way around? Um, it's a bit of both. So, uh-huh. 
because it's also we have like a few or rather i have a few we're not a big team at all we're like seven um um some like contributing writers and so for some of them like for example this one she she she's a dj so there's a lot of artists who approach her in general just about playing their stuff and then because she also writes for the platform we get submissions that way um we have people like dming us and like our emails in our bio but um which is something that i was actually talking to my good friend kalanzi who helps me run the platform mm-hmm. about is we end up doing a lot of our artist outreach um we are trying to make it more obvious that we are very open to people just like submitting stuff and hitting us up like our emails in the bio guys but uh, <laughs> i still find that a lot of the time it's like we'll come across something that's really cool and it's like okay need to dm this person need to figure mm. this out or i'll see something and even though it's not like because to be honest i don't really i'm a writer by default i mm. <laughs> it's interesting i wanted to create the platform to highlight things but i never saw myself writing full-time it's just that became the medium that made sense for me at the time because initially mm-hmm. i was like mm, maybe let me start a podcast but i couldn't be asked to be honest to figure out um the whole audio technical side of things oh really very honest with you i can show you the basics yes that would be great <laughs> but at that time i was just like i'm a decent writer let's just start uh. a blog and see how, where this goes but um anyway long story short um we do end up doing a lot of artist outreach or lc stuff and there's someone who's like on the team who that's sort of like their area and i'd be like dude have you come across this like do you want to write a feature do you want to reach out to this person and see where that goes um but yeah if you're an artist who's listening to this mm. um yeah. hit us up hit us I'll up put the, put the details in the in this bio <laughs> 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 so then you can find the other bio by yeah. you know, pressing on one of those yeah but i think that's pretty cool also i mean start with what you you have um work with what you got yeah is what even the whole series of sending us and i was about mm. everyone who came there was like they just started with where they what were they at. had yeah okay sawa you want to start making music what's like a cheap producing software that you can get like yeah a door, what yeah is even for free garage band sawa start from garage band yeah. and then you know build up to whatever and then eventually all these things start aligning you even learn about easier ways to mm-hmm. do stuff um resources which is something we were talking about yes. it's like collaboration opens up to sharing resources Mm -hmm. so maybe there's someone who has a like speakers you need to make something and you you have the software so you go to the place you you know make a makeshift studio in the bedroom yeah make things happen i mean you want to start a blog (laughs) might as well just start writing yourself yeah (laughs) see where it goes you get other people who are keen to contribute because they're like oh okay this is cool maybe i can write something for them and then they hit you up so Mm. always just start with what you have Mm -hmm. like it's enough trust it will scale up eventually but like just start with what you start with what you have and just be consistent because to be honest i especially last year i didn't think we were going to get to this year i didn't because last year we put out our second issue which went really well and then that compilation album but again because as we've been talking about resources they are so scarce out Mm. here for creatives yeah like the only way i was able to do that first issue was funding from my university. university and then even with the second issue the only way I was able to come about again was through funding but i i didn't expect that funding it was just like mm. my thesis won a prize and it came with money and i was like oh okay this is a sign but um yeah i think just be consistent and to push through and like as you've been saying it's so important to try and find people who are like-minded because resources out here are so unfortunately scarce we don't have you know 
the government offering grants for creatives or mm. bodies like that and it's it's an interesting space to navigate because obviously um i hate the word exposure um and I, as a creative i think it's really difficult to survive if we're being honest in like the re- the environment in nairobi because there's it's scarce there's not enough money people mm. don't rate creativity as something to be valued as a career choice yeah but then as myself kind of like running this platform i'm always stuck between this rock and the hard place it's like okay so like there's this videographer this photographer that i would love to like work with for tangaza mm. but i don't have i wish i had money but like yeah. even me <laughs> i'm a struggling 20 something year old creative yeah also looking for opportunities and i don't have the money to pay them so i just feel really lucky that with a lot of the people who've contributed to the bag when there's been money for grants mm. we've been able to pay people when there hasn't and people have been willing to contribute just because they see the vision that's happened but um we're also now trying to tap into like brands and stuff because we've been around for a year now yeah um so there's more proof of concept content wise to try and get like some of this corporate money yeah man corporate (laughs) (laughs) you know we we had a conversation here with a friend of mine called miriam (laughs) the episode is actually called corporate yeah um we're talking about all the trash like guys in corporate usually say about creative yeah but the gag was during covid corporates really came to creatives because they're like yo a lot of guys were laid off marketing jobs. Right. Because now, everyone's on social media. Everyone is at home. Yeah. Everyone's consuming content at home. And who are the faces? Influencers. Exactly. Artists. Musicians. Right. Like, all these people. Like, there's a really good campaign I've been seeing mm. of this artist called Wise2. Mm. He's a visual artist. Mm. He's a painter. He's really good at what he does. Um, and he partnered with Jagermeister. I, don't, I never know how to pronounce that thing correctly, so don't come at me. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, the alcohol. That's what um, Yeah, and it's really cool how he's incorporated his art to their brand, but it's still very individual. Mm-hmm. Like it's still, if you follow Wise2, you're like, yes, yeah, is very him, but then you're also seeing how that partnership has worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're saying now corporates are recognizing um, that was a gag for me. I was like, hmm. now corporates are recognizing mm-hmm. like there's value in this art that they've been trashing. Not necessarily always trashing it, but like they didn't see too mm-hmm. much value in it. Mm-hmm. But then everyone is geared towards that direction. Exactly. Right now. And like um, um, some co- cool things that I was seeing recently, like Kendrick and his manager, like his cousin's rapper baby Keem, like they have this company called PG Lang and they recently did a campaign for Calvin Klein. And just, it's really sick. Anyway, everyone, like, go check it out. It's like PG Lang for Calvin Klein. Mm-hmm. And just the the power of giving creatives the space to create campaigns for you mm. and just allowing, like, for us to do what we do and what we're good at, like, it, it can be transformative mm. for a brand. And so I'm just hoping as we're entering into this new stage, like, as you were saying, like creatives are going to start being given more respect and more room in these spaces yeah to just do what we do (laughs) because if you think about like it's so crazy to me how people will be like oh being a musician that should just be a hobby or be an artist and it's like you have no idea what goes into producing just one single yeah and if you think about life everything we see visually when you're in your car listening to the radio when you're passing the billboards literally everything that is stimulating has been made by a creative Mm. if all of us suddenly were to disappear (laughs) and it was just like 
you know, not to trash, you know, if you're a lawyer listening to this or an accounting and finance person, all love to you. Yeah. But like, if we didn't exist, the world would be a terribly dull place. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just, again, and that's part of the mission of, of Tangaza in terms of just like showcasing all the cool creatives that are emerging from this part of the world, hopefully being another space for like discovery and along that those you know sort of lines but mm. so you, you even spoke about like a compilation album yeah how did that even come about like okay i mean you've done two so it means the first one went pretty well no, for a second one to happen we've done one but we're okay oh so you're in the process, we're in the of, process of doing the second, the second one, one. Sorry. so that was um an idea brought about um i mentioned him before but um my good friend kalanzi mm-hmm. when we were doing the second issue he was like um we should like you know maybe put out a compilation album and has like dude so sick because I, ha- I had always wanted to organize like writing camps mm-hmm. for artists and just see the music that would come out of that and then Dope. using my little music industry know-how help craft like a proper release and roll out because i love that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but um so yeah that was the last year around may i mean april and i was like yeah for sure dude like run with it let's try and figure this out so we put that compilation together like Ye Wave are on there, Expresso, Josh Forehead, who's like this rapper from, he's Ugandan but based in LA, this other guy called Karma Jog, Naomi Sia from Tanzania. Um, so there's like artists from Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania on there. Mm-hmm. All just really making cool, dope, mouth from nowhere, just like really sick music. And um, we self distributed it using like um, Route Note, which is like kind of like DistroKid. And um, just with the connections that we had, like pitched it to like playlisting for Apple Music, to blogs, and it ended up getting picked up. Some songs getting picked up for playlists, featured in podcasts and stuff. Nice. And so we were like, okay, cool. So th- this is just another extension of what we're trying to do in championing like dope East African um, new wave artists who may not be necessarily being given the space mm-hmm. through this like compilation album series. So we're trying again for a second one this year trying to be more ambitious we want to do like animated visualizers and oh, all dope. that fun stuff and just trying to figure out those logistics but um but yeah just really trying to enter that space of being more impactful in artist careers because obviously a feature is dope and it can be a part of your artist story but something that him and i are always talking about is like how can we be more impactful in the careers of these artists how can we be a part of making their careers more sustainable mm. in helping them you know be able to eventually be a part of helping them you know figure out making money and and, and the stuff that you actually need to be a sustainable sustainable artist which um as i mentioned like before we recorded we want we're working on this like artist services kind of situation where we're hoping to work with artists on you know from the basics of what is an EPK as we spoke about earlier like Mm -hmm. writing press releases that's help you figure out which blogs you should be trying to reach out to and playlists but most importantly building sustainable audiences Mm because I think in this day and age of streaming um, there's (laughs) people are more um, interested in getting on playlists and getting like massive streaming numbers without realizing that that actually doesn't really translate into monetary Mm. gain like if you do the research on how much streaming platforms actually pay royalty wise it's ridiculous like unless you're streaming big 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 you're not seeing big payouts so 
what's more sustainable is building a strong fan base people who when you drop merch they're gonna buy it yeah when you play a show they're gonna buy it mm. like it's it's more so that creating thinking around your fans and making your fans a big part of your career and just like building sustainable community with them because it's not about having 10,000 or a million followers on social media or having you know again those massive streams because it doesn't it's not going to do much for you yeah um unless again you're a superstar artist and a lot of these superstar artists have big labels behind them Mm -hmm. which are a big part of helping them get to where they are so yeah just kind of like trying to think about helping artists from out here build grassroots wise and build sustainable careers in a nutshell nice i think that sustainability is very important um because some of the conversations that we've had even through sunny osana i think mm. this one was even Kili hippie you know stuff like like even labels being picked up with a label is great but sometimes artists don't understand what that means exactly so um, and you see, we've also been sold to the dream that being picked up by a label is it's like it. Yes. Until when you're an artist, you realize, oh, that this is what it meant to you mm-hmm. know to be sent to the label. Okay, you don't own your masters. Mm-hmm. What does actually what does owning your masters mean? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these things people don't know. And I had a lecturer who um, was an artist manager uh, in his career. He's also an engineer, but like at some point he was an artist mm-hmm. manager, and he was saying. Um, when their band, uh, he was he was managing a band in the UK, and they're being picked up by a big label. So what they did is like they took them to some fancy restaurant. So he was a manager, and they got drunk. And then when you're very very drunk, is when they introduce now the contract, the actual <laughs> stuff that's important. <laughs> and so for him, it was like, alright, cool story. Let me let me take this. I'm gonna read it, and then I'll bring it back. Right. So small things like the cars you're using, you're paying for mm-hmm. that restaurant. That that bill was actually already put in the contract. Mm-hmm. So there's small things that may look small but they make such a big impact in the long run. Right. Um, and it goes back to what we were talking about before, like management. So, you know, and understanding a music business. Right. Even having the know-how of these things, there's not many people, particularly in Nairobi, but I think in general, even from my experience in Melbourne, actually maybe I'm lying a little bit, Melbourne had a lot of independent labels mm-hmm. where people were very knowledgeable. And in fact, most of my music business, I picked up from people mm-hmm. here and there actually mm-hmm. working in those spaces. So I think in Nairobi, we don't have a lot of people who understand how mm-hmm. music business works. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we are also having issues where you have international artists who are quoting millions and some of our artists who should be quoting the same price are not even at that price because their management understands uh, yeah, understands what they're worth. And so when they're tabling stuff like that, they already come ready. So you have artists. I've seen also situations where artists are shy to ask for a certain amount of money right. because they think they're asking for too much. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, you're worth that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how much? You know, there's artists don't know. They don't know how to quote. Mm-hmm. They also don't know what... Um, sometimes it's not them not knowing. It's also like the people quoting for them. Again, this is a conversation we had with Changi where you give someone 10K for a gig, but you're expecting a gig, wa- I mean, a performance worth mm-hmm. like 30K. Mm-hmm. So how I can't hire a band with 10K. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. So I have to do maybe uh, playback. So for me, also as an artist, yes, I want to do these big things, but we need to all meet somewhere. But the issue is like, um, I don't call it professionalism because I don't think that's it. I think it's knowledge. There's a lack of knowledge in the music business part of it. So people fall short somewhere. 
So you're doing a, um, a master's in like, actually, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I was like, should I? I don't know if it's something you want to talk about. And I just introduced it so uh, casually. Yeah, I'm doing a master's in music business management. And again, just from exactly what you're saying, um, just through Tangaza interviewing artists initially, that's kind of like where my thinking began in terms of like taking this music business thing seriously just like again listening to stories of how artists are being taken advantage of by promoters and and again it's this as you said this issue of knowledge people not having the knowledge so even as a promoter the know-how of what is is exactly that you're supposed to be doing the contract that you're supposed to be offering artists how you're supposed to be treating this artist Mm -hmm. yeah is know how that's possibly lacking and so it's just like the situation where business is not being done the way it's supposed to be being done mm-hmm. and then the unfortunate thing is the artist is the one most of the time who ends up suffering but then there's also situations where artists like screw up promoters by mm-hmm. not fulfilling what they're supposed to have done so anyway um yeah i'm getting this masters um and it's just been a very eye-opening experience in terms of learning that this industry in general globally is just not designed to be artist friendly Mm -hmm. eh? (laughs) if you just (laughs) from reading like the origination of like copyright law and how again a lot of this know-how is mostly like these bigger companies that can afford to have like a lot of these lawyers and stuff on retainer like they really know what's up but like the independent artist who's kind of learning as they go doesn't really have money to hire a big short lawyer maybe mm-hmm. have you know your manager when you're starting out probably like your friend yeah or someone in your circle so you're just trying to figure this out together this l- label approaches you with like this contract with all these big legal terms and it's a long ass contract you know so it's mm-hmm. just it's very convoluted and it's sad because at the end of the day all of us exist because of the artist um so yeah i have been learning a lot that hopefully will be useful um <laughs> to the industry i'm sure it will. um out here but yeah i think as you said just there's a lot of lack of knowledge but what i would say is there's also a lot more resources Mm -hmm. and like blogs and stuff and specific people on socials who are doing good work in terms of trying to disseminate like music business 101 knowledge like for example like ditto which is a distribution platform they have a blog that does like basics like music business 101 type information Mm -hmm. um there's dj booth they do that as well spotify for artists Mm -hmm. um does that as well um let's see there's some podcast i can't remember the names off the top of my head but like on socials like i follow this entertainment lawyer his name is carl folks f-o-w-l-k-e-s so just from following his twitter Mm -hmm. i've learned a lot outside of even what i'm learning in the classroom that's good um so yeah i would also just encourage like artists and artist managers out there i know of course your biggest I mean, your focus is predominantly on creating like good quality music, right? Mm-hmm. So having to think about the business side is also taxing. But to just try and do the research and tap into some of these resources to just begin learning a bit of the basics because it will take you a long way, mm. even in terms of setting up management agreements. Because like, for example, 
your managers like industry standard is like 20% the commission is like 20% of of like gross income yeah. and then there's you know other stipulations on what your manager should be doing for you and what they shouldn't be doing for you and if you don't understand that going into agreement with the manager you can find yourself in a shitty situation with the manager so yeah it's mm. <laughs> we need we need more resources like yeah. that but yeah i think that's that's the other thing i was going to say is um a lot of these things even in my experience of just my being an engineer and like i mean being a producer like an event producer and all this stuff is some of the stuff you learn on the job that's true but some resources are available you don't need to go to school for this right thing, is i think what i'm getting at right um because it's also an assumption of um i mean school is expensive in general which it shouldn't be but like um some of this stuff like you're saying these people that you're following these pages you're following so some of the stuff you can pick up um that are free resources um yeah and you don't have to spend too much money in terms of getting that stuff done as well yeah. but for artists especially like also know don't always leave it for someone else to know for you because that can be very harmful <laughs> that's you. true that's very true i think just again especially in this environment where artists are like used to being diy just mm. like the importance of trying to do as much learning outside of it for yourself because yeah. you're going to find that you you have to, you're going to be the one who's having to manage your your career because we don't have like artist management companies and that's all they do and they're like looking like for artists to manage we don't have that right now mm-hmm. you know and i think the beauty of where having industries like ours that are more diy focused um when that investment eventually comes in and where there's more infrastructure it's a great opportunity for artists from the outset to already be independent thinking and to have taught themselves already as opposed to maybe other markets where all these systems already exist where artists are just like relying on mm-hmm. being signed and then being given a manager and then getting themselves trapped out i feel like we have the opportunity now for artists to like empower themselves through to tapping into like these resources yeah. and learning for themselves where so that when you know these big labels that are now beginning to invest in Africa start coming it's like dude me I'm already DIY I know how to handle my mm-hmm. career I already have people to help me shoot my videos and stuff so what I need from you is this this and this and mm-hmm. that's all and that's how we're moving and that's how we're negotiating and it's interesting how you spoke about like the importance of of ownership which is why again sometimes when i think of our industry i think in a way we are kind of um fortunate to be mm, not fortunate but just in a way it's cool that we have artists who are working independently and so are the owners of their masters mm. are already the owners of their publishing because if you if you observe what's going on um like globally specifically around like the publishing space you're having a lot of these bigger artists who are selling their catalog for millions of dollars and the reason is streaming has really affected the economic value of publishing rights like mm-hmm. songwriters and producers are getting the very short end of the stick mm. from royalty payouts well and they used to get the most actually right and so it's like okay it's looking more affordable from if i'm someone who owns my catalog and i have a lot of catalog for me to use that to leverage and sell it as opposed to waiting for streaming income mm. or from payouts from royalties right so i think we're entering into an age just generally globally in the music industry where ownership of publishing is a bit more complicated with labels 
which I'll get into, but ownership of publishing is going to be taken more seriously and more contested. Mm. So I think, again, it's if, if artists who are already doing it DIY can just learn about what it means to own your publishing, learn about how to copyright it properly and all of that stuff are potentially in the long run and better standing because you own your stuff so you yeah. can control what's done with it and just like the info and again for anyone who's considering signing a record label the reason why labels are most of the time automatically can claim ownership to your master recording rights is because the origination of the law that's structured around masters is that um the producer and not the producer as we know it in the contemporary sense, but mm. literally the producer, the person who owns the means of making of that making product. that product, um, because they provided the resources to mm-hmm. make that product, are therefore entitled to owning that master. Correct. And if you think about like back in the day when people were printing vinyl or printing CD, the first version of your song was this cd or this vinyl the original master mm-hmm. that was then copied to make the other versions of your song that were then sold yeah so because the label gave you the studio time and the money and mm-hmm. the whatnot to create this physical master they can claim ownership yeah but in this digital age where the production of music is changing and where the meaning meaning all of all of this is changing I mean, you definitely have situations where labels give big advances that go towards studio time and like financing it, but a lot of questioning is being done as to really just morally how valid it is for a label to be owning someone's masters for like perpetuity. Mm-hmm. But that's the thinking behind ownership of master rights. So I'd encourage people who, if you have the means of creating your music independently and are therefore can fully be the owners of your masters in that sense, like looking into like, licensing deals like if you have a label that's approaching you instead of them owning your masters looking into what it means for them to license your masters Mm because then they don't own it you own it they're just licensing it to exploit it and different things like that but um yeah there's a lot of shifts and conversations that are going on around the music industry globally in general Mm -hmm. uh, which at the end of the day affects us here yeah so yeah just encourage anyone interested in this space to try and tap in like there's this other cool blog it's called music business worldwide just like covers a lot of the developments that are going on worldwide as well um yeah if anyone is interested on this more like behind the scenes nerdy stuff (laughs) i could talk about music business concepts all day just like let me know hit me up i'd be happy to have this conversation i'd be happy to like just listen because i'm (laughs) learning just you speaking also i'm learning a lot of stuff because um I mean, as much before I got to uh, engineering, like there was a production phase. Oh dear, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it existed, yeah. And like, um, I mean, that's what I thought I wanted to do until I understood what engineering was, and I was like, mm, nah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Tech side of it, but even you know, even us through uni, what you're saying, like whoever is providing the resources. I remember even for BTEC, yeah, the school owned the studio, mm-hmm. so we did make an album, which is part of the project at the end of your two years but it's like the school owns that album for a year before you can make money off mm-hmm. of it and it's like initially we're all like what the hell blah blah yeah. blah but then once you understand it you're like oh okay yeah that actually makes so much sense um, and it was the same I think for art students because they give you the space right. the resources and whatever um, so that's ideally you've explained it so well that's how labels used to work and so even for our uni project I remember because the studios were mm. uni projects the, our studio actually I mean our, our uni didn't um, 
didn't own any of the stuff, so mm-hmm. they were okay with it. But their logic was, what you're paying uni to learn how to use this thing. So mm-hmm. ideally, you've paid for it. Mm-hmm. Is why they didn't own any of the stuff right, that you made. Right. Though, if you had a project outside of school project and you needed to use the space then you needed to negotiate. So for example, if if they need to give you cameras, so it's like, okay, we don't own this stuff, but we are sponsoring it. So we're here as sponsors. Mm -hmm. So we need our logo here Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the other stuff Mm -hmm. that comes into it. So there's, I think also negotiation when it comes to business, even as we're talking about corporate, like I saw a tweet um, Chris Kaga had put out the other day. I was like, that thing with Safari Club. I know, I was so disappointed. And um, I think, was it four years ago? Like a couple of years ago, I guess she was in a similar mm-hmm. tiff with Techno. They used her image mm-hmm. um, and she didn't approve of it. So it was a long court case, but she actually won the mm-hmm. court case. And it's like, you know, small things like that, not understanding um, understanding that corporate, they don't have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. Because when you think of Chain Chain, literally the only person you're thinking about is Chris Geiger. Exactly. Whether your dog, your neighbor used to say it when you were kids, that's not who we're thinking about. We're thinking of Chris Geiger. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Zima Nice, I mean, I'm sure guys used to say that all the time. Right. But he popularized it. So, I mean, even him treating like that, it's because he understands and he, he knows where he's at as an artist. Right. He's seeing the infringement. He, right. You know, was wrong. And I don't know how that's going, but I really hope... Um, yeah, I hope they're right in those wrongs because that was actually careless. That was whack. And I'm like, come on, you're this massive corporation. <laughs> like, there has to be people in the company who know what's up, like that. And again, I think it just also speaks to what we spoke about earlier how creatives are just not taken seriously as, mm. like, you know, this is someone's career. That's Chris Kiger's career. That's his intellectual property. Mm. It's not just a song that you're enjoying. Yes, we love his music is dope and people are parting to it, but it's it's more than enjoyment, mm. you know? For an artist, that's, like, that's their business. Yeah. You know? That's so it's money. like, come on, take it seriously. Take him seriously. Negotiate with him properly and paid him, pay him what he's owed. Because yeah. he... You're not the one who was coming up with that. And it's not easy, as we said, yeah. to make music, to record music, like it, the process around it. So that was so unfortunate. But as you said, um, I hope that like it, it goes well for him and Safari Club gets their life together because yeah. that was so whack. Because I was even like, for a brand like you that has Kiza, honestly, exactly. you understand, you understand <laughs> licensing and yeah. IP. You it's know. It's not new. It's just... Sour, it could be someone made a mistake, but I'm like, you can't make a mistake twice. Exactly. Because it happened twice. Right. And, you know, th- if there's something that has helped us, I think, in this country, it's Kenyans on Twitter. I'm not... K-O-T. I don't have Twitter. Really? I don't. Mm. But I know... <laughs> I know K.O.T. is lit. Um, and in fact, this is a conversation I was even having with a friend of mine because mm. I'm not crazy with social media. And by crazy, mm. I mean I'm just not ready active right. on social. Like, I do have... Um, if I have a couple of social media pages just for different brands and different things that I do mm. um, and there's a laziness that I know I also have mm. but I could afford that laziness because of the things I was doing and how I'd marketed in Melbourne but that doesn't work in Kenya mm-hmm. so I was saying to someone like um, in Melbourne I can put up a show on Facebook and literally when someone asks oh can I see your event I'll send them the event mm. page in Kenya people don't use Facebook like that mm. it's Twitter Instagram, mm. Snapchat even. 
So it's like you have to also adapt to the environment that you're in. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was like, bro, I'm not familiar with Twitter, but even if I'm not the one doing it, I need to get familiar and understand, understand. Yeah. how the environment that I'm in, that's how things are going. Right. So how do you how do you tailor yourself to to somehow figure it out, even if it's someone else doing it for you? Mm-hmm. Um, which has been very interesting uh, for me. But it's something I've noticed also with um, with yeah, with just communication in general is some some things. It's not like you don't have a good thing, and that's why people are not coming. It's like people don't know you have a good thing. Exactly. So even music, it's like maybe you've had an EP or something. It's just like people just don't know. Right, and that's why I have beef sometimes with artists who are like, I'm just I make good music. I'm just going to drop it, and whoever finds it finds it. And I'm like, even me, I'm not a big social media person. Like running Tangaza's Instagram and Twitter, it's a constant fight with myself internally because again i'm not if i if i didn't have a brand that i had to be um promoting i would you'd barely see me on mm. social media but again as you said understanding the fact that you need to adapt to reaching the people that you want to reach and it doesn't always have to feel awkward or inorganic there's ways you can tailor it to yourself that you know you're reaching your target audience but it's not feeling as much as a hassle for you personally mm. And so I'm always just like, if you're a musician who wants to, you know, people to be tapping into you, you have to adapt that mentality. Like, you may not be a social media person, but it's just the context of the world that we we live in, especially now that because of COVID, a lot of things have moved Mm. online, you know? And it's just like, you can't rely on your talent alone and even the way the music industry works this isn't like 10 15 years ago where the market wasn't as saturated so perhaps there was more avenue and you know when you're f- selling like physical cds and stuff maybe there was more avenue for re- for you to reach people but yeah. having to rely on social media but in this day and age where i forget the statistic but so much music is dropped on one day mm. right and so for you to fight through the noise to reach the person who should be listening to you it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of you know analyze your back end like look at what your apple music and spotify statistics are on the back geographically where is it that people are listening to you the most even i think soundcloud offers that as well and youtube yeah. like lean into these analytics that are being provided by these um by these platforms it might sound like a lot of work but it'll go some ways in helping you understand so it's like okay i have a lot of people listening to me in johannesburg for example how do i tap into that is it me trying to find like radio stations and blogs and stuff out there mm. is it me trying to find like south africa an artist from johannesburg who i'm like on the same level with to collaborate on a song with and it's like opening me up to that audience yeah is this me looking at you know hashtag johannesburg on social media and just seeing how people um, move on the social media in that space what is it like they're they're liking and i i get it it's like a lot of work and it sounds like a lot especially if you're the one person who's handling everything Mm -hmm. but i just feel like if you want your career to be this is what you're trying to do with your career it's something that is worth looking into or as you said finding people who can help you who can help you do it Mm. it could literally be like your cousin who's obsessed with social media Mm. and um is just more social media savvy than you and knows what's up and just being like dude do you want to help me um run my socials for a while and just see how that goes or 
someone who's like just obsessed with research and analytics who's your friend and just being like dude do you want to help me figure this out and yeah. you never know oh, your friend where it could in, take you who's in that industry exactly like, you, like yo random what, what, what is the stats on you know something like yeah just you probably know off the top of your head too <laughs> it's like oh yeah that's like blah 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 blah. okay cool 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 you know yeah but it's true. like I, personally like i was saying again social media so I'm not good visually. Like, by good, it's like I can envision something and I literally explain to you what I'm trying to do, but I need someone else to do it. Yeah. And so, even for like the Wazi page, like, I remember the first time I opened it, I started with psych, like two, three posts, and then I it was just dead. Yeah. Um, And so, I talked to my friend Miriam, I'm like, yo, you're really good with templates, you're good, really good visually, like aesthetic, whatever. Are you down? She's like, yeah, yeah. And you see, it could be. And we, I, I had this conversation also with Kili when he was here, and we were talking about even um, like payment is not always money, though it's like the most common one, right? Um, and this is where collaboration comes in mm-hmm. as well. And it's like, okay, so this person needs visual stuff. Uh, I also need to make stuff to practice. Does this look like a situation that could help me out? Cool. What am I gaining? It has to also to be mutually beneficial for both right. of you. So also don't approach someone and expect them to do stuff for you. And I don't like to say for free because it's not always for free. It's only for free if that person is not getting anything out of it. Exactly. Um, and it's also okay if that person wants money and you just can't give them money. It's just like you just have to find another alternative. Right. Um, but we also have to think about things outside of just... Um, money right um and particularly when you're thinking when you say collaboration it means both of you are bringing or three of you or five of you however many you are you're bringing in something exactly so that will benefit both of you right um so you're both growing essentially um yeah 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 Yeah, for sure and i think i definitely encourage people to look at it that way as well just like like as you said we all want to make money but sometimes i think the condition of our creative industry right now is such that it's difficult for everyone to be benefiting monetarily in Mm. that way but like as you said if you're able to find people who align with you and what your long-term vision is and you're able to fit feed into each other in that way that's mutually beneficial in a sense of you're both growing whether in terms of it's in just like your growth as a creative and what you're learning or the a new audience that you're tapping into or these other growth metrics that are not necessarily fully attached to money i think the end route will potentially lead to an opportunity where you're then able to start making money sometimes i feel like some if you're i don't know people you can take this house as you may but i feel like sometimes if you're too focused on having that money part first as opposed to trying to see how else this can be benefiting your life you may be missing out on an opportunity in the long run Mm -hmm. that can be extremely um beneficial Mm -hmm. so i think it's just important to sometimes look at these opportunities especially when you have people who are coming to you at the same level to collaborate but looking at them like holistically and seeing okay what uh, like are all the ways in which I could be benefiting from this situation also weighing them of course out of like the cons that could be coming out of the situation yeah. and then using that to base off like your final decision based on where you are in your life and what it is that you're trying to achieve mm-hmm. mm. yeah so yeah I think about that I think about it a lot mm. especially because I've also in 
when I started creating, I think 2019 was my busiest year mm. as a creative. Um, and I moved to Australia in 2016. Mm. But you see, sometimes people will be like, oh my God, you know, you okay, pussy the end product, which is, I mean, okay. But I'm like, yeah, but I've been building this networks for three years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, you didn't see that part, you know. Or I did, I did my first year in 2018 and I learned so much from too many mistakes. In fact, mm. too many is what mm. I say to people. Mm. But it allowed me to be able to confidently pick a job that someone is like, yo, produce for us this thing. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Mm. Because I made so many mistakes like three years ago. And even every time you do something, you keep, you keep learning. Right. You keep learning, keep learning. So like even recently... Um, I mean, I'm an audio engineer and it's something I do very confidently. But there's no time I've met another person that hasn't taught me something. Mm. And it could be something like, yo, did you know this button does this thing? And you're like, whoa. And you see, for someone like me, you work with so many different desks. By desks, I mean like a console. It could be digital, analog, a mixer, essentially. Mm. So these mixers I've never touched in my life. Mm. But the way mixes are designed, like, they're pretty similar. Mm. So, and there's someone who, that's all they use every day. So, of course, that person will be in a better position to be like, yo, there's this trick that will make you, mm. you know, they'll, they know it better than I do. So, you're learning from that person every mm. day. Um, and I think also what I'm learning to understand as I grow in this career mm. is, you also need to understand yourself and what you want to get. Mm. Because... You know, we're talking about artists before and sometimes you're geared towards the music that people think you should be making or how it should sound. Mm. But there's very few times um, people are asked, like, what do you want? Like, right. That's a very important question. Right. Um, outside of artistry, just in general, like, before you give unsolicited advice, be sure to understand where that person is going. Then if you have something to offer, you can offer it as opposed to also instigating what you think that person should be doing right. from experience right. or you know, whatever else to get in that information from. Um, it's something I find very important and I, I'm actively practicing to also be aware of that before before saying things. <laughs> yeah. Because I've also been on the receiving end of too much advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just always like, that's good advice. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't apply to me because I'm trying to go this way and you, you're trying to take me that In way. another direction. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think, yeah, what you said is just so important as an artist or creative at the end of the day to just try and figure out what your end game is just mm. as a person like as you said well you know and i am the type of person who hates thinking about oh, am i going to be 10 years from now because honestly if anything last <laughs> year has taught us you cannot predict anything in this life yes. but i think there are some some things where it's like in your heart you know this is kind of like what i'm trying to do this is where i want to be this kind of is like my mission in a way mm. and i feel like just taking time to understand that at the beginning of your career throughout your career is just like so important because as you said it's going to guide all the decisions you make it's going to guide the interactions you have it's going to guide the people and the brands that you align with you know so i think just taking some time out which is i know so difficult in this crazy world that we live in especially being young people just we're dealing with such terrible economic situations and having to figure out so much about just life in general Mm. in your 20-somethings. But I think just take finding 
ways to take time out to meditate to like journal if you're the type of person who journals or even like sometimes just having conversations with like close friends can be so illuminating for you mm-hmm. but just taking that time to like fully understand okay this is this is the one thing i'm moving towards cuz like i'll be honest even like with tangaza's journey like as i said earlier there's so many times where i've just like wanted to delete the website and just moved on with my life cuz it's just been stressful mm. trying to make things trying because i i know what i want to do with it eventually and i know what i it can be but just as we talked about lack of like resources and opportunities sometimes can be really stressful and as a creative you know this firsthand probably yourself and anyone who's listening mm-hmm. but i think what what's really helped me is just having this like one vision and mission it's like this isn't even about me it's about being a part of building this creative space somehow so just focusing on that and like the small day to days even if it's just like one instagram post mm. or putting a song on a playlist or reaching out to an artist or something I actually it, follow a lot of your playlists on spotify really? yeah oh my gosh <laughs> yes yeah yeah love yeah, to I hear do. that i've actually discovered it again a lot of people through that but yeah just having this one thing that you're able to focus on will get you through i think in the long run because mm. there's always going to be a lot of noise around you a lot of people like as you said trying to tell you who you are trying to tell you what you should be you look at social media and you're like oh my gosh why haven't i progressed the way person so and so is progressing yeah. you know why haven't i achieved this but i think just yeah finding that one that one thing that you're about and then using that as just like this light that guides you through life i think is just like really important yeah that's yeah. really good advice that's really good advice because <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does get hectic you're right like and crazy and you know you start thinking about and when you start thinking about those other things you're moving away from what you're saying the yeah. one thing that you you know you suppose you want to aim for or whatever yeah and i remember like even last year um I mean, at some point, in fact, before we started doing the Useni Wasana thing, mm. I was so lost. I'm like, bro, I'm s- okay, I was meant to be going back mm. to Melbourne. Now I'm not going. Mm. I was like, okay, I've left a lot of my stuff there. Mm. My softwares are not working, so I'm like, I can't even do any creative work or whatever. Right. Um, and eventually I was like, you know, you want to do a podcast, just reach out to the same people again and see, like, see what happens. One. Yeah. And I was like, you know, um, I don't know if I, I don't think I ever said this here, but I remember when I first started recording, I was like, "Wow, I actually feel like me again." Yeah, but it's because that's that was it. It was like the one thing that I had set my mind to do, yeah. and then I just needed to somehow end up back end there up back again. There, for sure. Um, and of course, it's very difficult. I mean, it took months before I got to that point, but eventually you get there. Mm-hmm. And like I listened to, in fact, the only one podcast episode I ever listened to from Afropunk has a podcast. I didn't know. So yeah, when I yeah. had, I was like, oh, this is random. So I was like, let me see what's mm. here. I think it was like two years ago. And there's one with Stacey Abrams. Mm. I didn't know who she was. Mm. I'd heard the name too many times. I'm like, no, let's listen to this one. Mm. Um, she's so brilliant. Oh my God, she's such a brilliant mm. woman. And one of the things she said there is, okay, she was explaining how she went to uni, like she wanted to do so many things mm-hmm. um, and she couldn't choose one at the end of the first mm. year. Because I think in the States, first year is like trial yeah, as many trial things. and error. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so she went to her dean and she's like, listen, I want to do all these things. I can't choose one. Mm. So the dean actually designed a course specifically for her. Crazy. And I'm like, first of all, at the what? point where you and the dean are like you know, negotiating at the... I want to do all these things. And so for she's saying even afterwards, um, she used to be the governor in uh 
in Georgia. What's what's it? not Georgia? Um, where's Miami? Florida. Florida. No, that doesn't sound correct. Okay, just somewhere. Stacey Abrams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So and before politics, she's done many things, mm. and she was saying for her, you see, she she didn't want to limit herself to just one thing. Mm. So what she did is like she has a she had this book, or she still she actually still does it, where she writes down the things she wants to do. Then she look at what she wants to start with and then focus on that. Which right. Which remind, reminds me of what you were saying before. It's like, when you know what you want to get, you just set your mind to that. Yeah. And I know, like, personally, I do a, a lot of different things. And there's been too many people who are like, oh, specialized. Speci-. I hate that thing. Uh, that me thing too. Spe- I'm like, just I'm leave like, me. <laughs> Come on, we're multifaceted beings for a reason. Right. Like, you can do... If you think you're capable of doing five things, Sawa. I mean, doing five things doesn't mean doing five things at once. Yeah. If you start with one thing, once it's hit the ground running, then you can try something mm-hmm. else. And at some point, you're managing those five things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying has just like added to now my thing for doing many things. But you, there's a way you said it. Like the light thing, definitely going to use that. Yeah, because I think... Yeah, people just should stop giving unsolicited advice. <laughs> unsolicited <laughs> Stop giving advice. unsolicited advice. Let people figure out life and, you know. But exactly, like, because even me, I'm the person who I, I do. My mind moves, like, in many different directions. There's always so many different things I want to do. And it's just, like, uh, just, I've been trying to just be a bit more structured with that, though. Because mm. I can definitely understand how that gets overwhelming. But, like, as you said, that's good advice as well. Starting with one, let mm-hmm. it to find the structure. It like has a rhythm, and then it's like, okay, this is the other thing that I want to do. Let's also pick that up and let it find its rhythm. Yeah. Probably see how they feed into each other. But yeah, man, it's being a creative thing. Yeah. So now with <laughs> Tangaza, what you what are we expecting? Like, <laughs> you really don't have to tell us because also things happen in the wind. But is there something particularly like this year that we can mm. we can wait for? Yeah, hopefully. Because it's always, um, it's always hard work in God's grace. Um, Ooh, but nice. we are working on our third issue. The issues are annual, and mm-hmm. then they tend to be more. I like it because it gives us room to make them more thematic, rather than trying to tap into like what's hot and what's currently moving. Because sometimes ah. it's difficult to catch that. They've been themed around like like last year was like visual narratives, so there's a lot more focus on like film directors, graphic designers, um, photography collectives, because mm-hmm. that just made sense. So we're working on another issue that will hopefully be coming around out like July August. That's mm-hmm. usually when they drop. We're also working on a second compilation album, which again ho- um, dropping around like summer, same same timeline. Um, so yeah, there's that stuff in the works um, in terms of like content. There's something else that we're working on, but that I can't speak on. That's okay. Yes. So you just, just have to wait. Something <laughs> cool. Something cool. Something cool. Something cool that's different. Um, that we're also working on. But yeah, just manifest good energy for us as well, because we're also just like young for creatives sure. who don't really. Again, we're trying to tap into like this corporate money and whatever, but um just hopefully again that these projects were able to see them um into fruition but yeah like tap into the playlists the blog is con- perpetually running mm-hmm. so mm. yeah there's a lot uh, that i really like your website by the way i don't know who did it but they did it with you did it yes. wow okay okay That's okay like i feel like the other 
it's stressful but the other the other cool thing about this diy industry is you just have to learn how to do a lot of things on your own true i didn't have (laughs) money to hire a web designer so Mm. i was just like i mean i didn't code it from scratch scratch it's hosted on like squarespace but there's a lot of like custom code that i had to learn to then make it look the way it it looks Mm. yeah hey bro may i've tried to put up trust me i know the mission of trying websites yeah all these uh, squarespace uh weeks Mm -hmm. what i've tried it i've tried it but it just it's a good job is what i'm saying thank you (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying good job thanks it's not not easy because also i just really enjoy the layout of it Mm. just sometimes also I mean, websites can let you down where it looks good on desktop and then on your phone. It's, it's like, like what whack. happened? Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> what happened? So, yeah, really good job. Thanks, man. Wow, DIY. Okay, cool. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me and hosting me at of your place. Of course. Um, and have this conversation that I think it's really cool. There's a lot of things that we've spoken about that I'm really I'm really happy with. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. A lot of artists listen to this as well. Mm. So I'm sure they'll they learn a lot. Yeah, um, hopefully. And also don't forget to email them. I'll put the email there and hit yeah, them up. Yeah, hit us um, up, hit us up. And like the links are on the bio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> links and bio emails in the bio. But yeah, we're really just trying to be like <laughs> artist friendly. Yeah. As is possible. Like me and Kalanzi are like always just uh when artists hit us up about like just general advice stuff. We try and get back to as many people as is possible mm-hmm. to just because again I think the cool thing is through putting out that compilation and then Tangaza itself we've been able to build like some connections here and there so yeah we just want to keep pushing East African music bro mm. we're gonna let's you know want to be the ones like I, I think Sauti So was cool like there were pictures one of like YouTube's black voices or something I saw yeah but just would love to have more of artists from here being able to have those opportunities and also vice versa building spaces at home yeah oh my god most importantly that are like that so we no longer have to be like oh i need to make it in america Mm. the uk i need to make it in like sa or nigeria now you can make it here Mm -hmm. and like have it be sustainable and still be like prestigious and whatever Mm. And that's why I think also Tangaza is a really good platform for that because we also need our own publications. Our uh, own what you're stuff. saying, we need our own spaces. Um, and that's why I really like MOOC because you mm-hmm. can buy albums from artists from there. And I, honestly, I know Kenya is, is not really big on buying culture. And in general, I mean, yeah, if you can stream like stuff, sometimes you're yeah. like... <laughs> I I know. I've checked like some of these, al- like some people sell the albums for five hundred bob. Some yeah, and I like know so five hundred bob is not a lot of money. Maybe considering you'll own this thing for the rest. Think about it this way: you're going to own it for the rest of your life. Right. Then calculate how much you're paying for streaming. Okay, I know it doesn't make sense because I know streaming is like three three dollars or something. But when you think about if you really want to promote an artist, and actually Nyokabi really challenged me this, because mm. um, she's telling me even for she avoids streaming, so if she can find the artist's work on Bandcamp, she'll then buy she'll, it. Yeah, so she'll listen to it even there, and then donate or like buy mm. it from there and i was like that's a really good challenge that now i've started also mm. um looking and i'm mm. like okay can i get this artist stuff on Bandcamp? but then mook is a kenyan platform and they do really really good work even with their ticketing because i bought a ticket somewhere and they had to refund because the thing was cancelled because mm. covid blah 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 mm. blah um but they have a lot of kenyan kenyan artist albums on there that grammar was off but you know what i'm trying (laughs) to say like there's a lot of kenyans with their stuff there and Mm. it's affordable again you're going to own this forever right 
So right. look into it. Yeah, I think. And yeah, I mean, if you can come up with some other cool stuff, that would be dope. Even what you're saying, like with Teo and um, the stuff that they come up with. Yeah, Sanachats. Um, Sanachats. Sana like, like these are Kenyan people making stuff Making moves. For That's the other artists. thing. Support Kenyans who are doing stuff. Because mm. I also think of sometimes all the curators that are out here. There's so many dope podcasts and like... Um, Where are you, man? Find us. (laughs) I know, like, that are just doing God's work in putting on Kenyan music. It's Mm -hmm. like, tap into those people. And I would encourage even artists and their teams, like, find the people from where you're from who are trying to put you on Mm -hmm. and work with them as well. Like, I understand the the allure of having an international, like, blog feature or podcast spot or something. I get that. Mm -hmm. But... If at the end of the day, we're trying to build something for ourselves, it's just as important to be tapping in with the people on the ground who are also, like, supporting you. You know, mm-hmm. let's try and get on, like, like I think one of my favorite hip-hop podcasts is called the Adveli podcast. Mm-hmm. They're sick. Like Adveli? Yeah. I think I've heard of, of this podcast. Probably. But okay. they're, like, on the ground, like, just s- discovering all the incredible, like, stuff that's going on, like, hip-hop-wise, like, bubbling. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yo, this is sick. Like, they need to be give, being given, like, more recognition. Let's, like, support that more. And, like, you know, this is... Because if you think of, like, Pitchfork, Fader, all these other... Um, places that have not become like globally recognized even like native mag in nigeria it they didn't start with being where they were Mm. they were supported by people from where they're from supported Mm. by artists and stuff who believed in them Mm. and now they're they are where they are yeah Yeah. so at the end of the day long story short support (laughs) other support the kenyans yeah (laughs) true true actually someone i i I recently i recently discussed not discovered them like there's this uh there's this woman called kanaiza and then the blog is called kanaiza kanaiza i have heard of kanaiza yeah so she's i found out she's kenyan very recently yeah i didn't know she was kenyan but i think she she lives in in the uk yeah um but what she's done is she's a curator so in fact she just was really good at curating and her friend was like yo you know this is really cool Mm. you should probably do this like Mm. you know more often and then so she started the blog and the blog grew very very big and i think she's like at a hundred and something K followers mm. right now on Instagram. Um, but she has a website and she started an agency website specifically for artists where she can create spaces and offer some of these things that um, are not necessarily available to artists on a whim. So you can contact her. She also has space for like exhibiting stuff. Um, but essentially what I was getting at is um, how she started and what she's built and how she's bringing that back. She was able to grow because of the people around her she was growing with. Right. So she had to feature photographers. She had to work with photographers, mm-hmm. models, and all these people. Mm-hmm. So she's able... You need something to curate. You can't just curate. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> like, there needs to ex- something to exist. Mm-hmm. So if you have an idea and you get like-minded people, what you were saying before, mm. and you collaborate like that, so everybody is winning. Um, and I actually saw... What is the name of that photographer? I'm forgetting. He exhibited some of his work in the states actually saw all this stuff from instagram Mm. but all the people that he was photographing were like kenyan creatives right and so you see you having an image of like monica in the states as you know repping tangas or something 
of course I'll say the model is Monica so I'll be curious to know why is this Monica here is what mm, I'm getting at you mm. know and so that it goes beyond um what you see I mean face value yeah um, yeah yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so thank you for having me of course and thank you for listening if you've been listening if you got this far yes oftentimes people do so that's good um yeah so stay tuned for whoever else we'll have here but again thanks you're the first guest for the year this is really good conversation it was you kind of set the pace now so <laughs> no pressure but all i'm saying is like yeah you set the pace so yeah cool uh, i'll Yay. put the links down below for all the important things that you need to see like Tangaza stuff but you can just say what the pages are for yes. people okay so on Instagram on Twitter and if you are still on Facebook I am yes <laughs> it is Tangaza magazine same for like the website is www.tangazamagazine.com it is also Tangaza magazine on Apple Music Spotify and YouTube and Audio Mac so ah. yeah we're just we're there yes. just search Tangaza magazine we're there mm. we exist or just like an easy calling point is like our Instagram page has like our bio is a link tree. Ah, uh, perfect. Yes. So all the links so you can get there. So all the links that are like important or mm. whatever are there. So, yeah. Cool. Tap Maybe I'll put, I'll put the, the link tree and the website. Fair. When, when you click the link tree, you got it all. Yes. Cool. Thank you. Of course, Daisy. Okay. The end. <laughs> <laughs>